Let's take our Bibles and turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. In our last study uh, in the book of Judges, uh, we started studying the life of Gideon. And we know that Gideon was the man that God chose to deliver Israel from the bondage of their enemies at the time. When we started to look at Gideon, we saw that Gideon didn't appear to be a likely candidate to be a deliverer of the nation because when we first see Gideon, he's hiding from the Midianites to prevent them from taking the small amount of grain that they had. And we, we read how he was... Uh, well, let's, let's go back and take a look at some of these verses here. And uh, our text verses are actually going to be verse 25 down through verse 32. Let's just take a look back and reread some of this here. In verse 1, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. Now skip down to verse 7. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their lands. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice." And there came up an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abizrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. This is where we're the first time that we see Gideon. And we see what was happening in Israel. We see the oppression. We understand why Gideon was hiding because the Midianites would come and steal what little that they possessed. So when the Lord comes to Gideon, he tells them that he is going to be the deliverer of Israel. And Gideon, like most people, immediately tells God why he's wrong, why you can't do this. And it wasn't long before Gideon realized he was losing that argument with God. And the next thing that we find is that Gideon is actually worshiping the Lord and waiting for God's orders. As we continue to look at the story of Gideon, what we're going to find in our text today is that we're going to watch as God prepares Gideon for the mission that he has ahead of him. Gideon was not at a point in his life where he had enough faith or to respond to God and do what God was ultimately going to have him to do. And what we find is God working with Gideon. Little by little, step by step, preparing Gideon and growing Gideon in his faith to ultimately bring him to the place where he would fulfill what God's will was. And so we're going to watch Gideon take his first step of faith. And we're going to watch him take a stand against false religion and so on. But what we're going to see is God bring Gideon along in a series of small steps that ultimately builds and grows his faith. And we're going to make the application that the Lord does the same thing with us in our life. Sometimes there's something ahead that God has in store for us. We don't know exactly what it is, but God builds us right now, little by little, step by step, growing us in our faith in him that ultimately will lead to greater, bigger things that the Lord has in store. And so as we consider how God develops Gideon, we need to take a moment to consider our own lives that the Lord is trying to develop us as well. In fact, the Lord's intention in our lives is to transform us from what we are 
and more into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says, Ephesians 4.13, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Romans 8.29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. And so we're going to look at verses 25 to 32, and we're going to see a few things along the way that as we observe this, and if we take it to heart, it can be helpful for us in our own times of spiritual development. And I want to preach to you on the subject of the cultivation of Gideon. Let's pray, and then we'll read our text. Lord, I pray that you'd help us again this afternoon. Lord, help us to see that, Lord, that you are real and that your truth and your principles and your promises are also very real. And if we will trust you and we will obey you and we'll walk in faith, uh, our faith will grow, our confidence in God will grow. Lord, help us to see and to know in our own life experience that these are not just things written in a book, but these are truths that pertain to our life. And Lord, I pray that we would put them to practice and see the hand of God grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. All right, look with me in verse 25. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night." And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cut down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Jerbaal, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. We're going to see a few thoughts here revealed in these verses. And the first thought that I want to draw your attention to is in verses 25 and 26. It's the, the command that God delivers. Now notice the command that God gives Gideon. It came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that it is, is by it, and build an altar unto thy, the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Here's the command that God gives to Gideon. And the command was a specific command. The command was that the same night that God called him, or the same night that God appeared unto him, God told him and commanded Gideon, uh, in a very specific thing. And he said, take the, your father's second bullock and take that bullock and go and pull down the altar of Baal. And then I want you to cut down the grove. And then I want you to build an altar to God. And then I want you to take that bullock and I want you to offer that as a sacrifice unto me. Very specific in the command, right? We followed it. Now, I was wondering why the second bullock because you notice the Bible says that God said to take the second bullock of your father and use that one to pull the altar down, and then also take that one and sacrifice it. Why not the first one? And I wasn't necessarily sure about that, but some commentators say that because that first bullock of his father would have been dedicated to idol worship or dedicated to Baal, that it wasn't clean. 
And so God tells him to take the second one because that's the only one that's still clean. And Gideon is to take that and to use it to pull down the altar. And he's, he's supposed to cut down the grove and use that wood to burn uh, the, the sacrifice. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, that's what many commentators believe regarding it. But we know that God told him a very specific thing to do this very specific thing. Now, understand this. Baal was the Canaanite god of fertility. The Canaanites believed that Baal was responsible for their success or their failure in their crops and their herds. They did everything in their power to worship Baal because they wanted to ensure his blessings on their crops and on their herds. Now, you notice the word grove is used a couple of times here. Verse 28 says, When the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove which was cut down, which was by it. And I studied out a little bit on what these groves were. And it really isn't groves. It's, it, was, it was singular in this point. A grove was actually a pole that was set up next to the altar of Baal. And it was called an Asherah pole. It was after the goddess Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth was the goddess of love and increase. Ashtoreth was, was the female cohort to Baal. And oftentimes, uh, vile worship practices were done uh, near the altar and in the or near the grove in order to appease the gods and have more blessing on them. They believed that these acts would bring Baal's favor upon them and their families. So God's command to Gideon was to tear out the idols, to tear down the altars, to get rid of it, to weed it out, and then rebuild an altar unto me, the one true God. God's command was very specific. Tear down that altar and build an altar unto me on the top of this rock. Now notice verse 20 and 21. This, this gives us a reminder of, of, of what was going on. The angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh of unleavened cakes and lay it upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and unleavened cakes. And there arose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. God was even very specific as to the place, the rock, that he was to do that, to build an altar to Jehovah and offer that young bull as a burnt offering to the Lord. Another thing you need to understand is that altars to Baal were always built up on top of prominent hills and in rocky locations, places of visibility. And so what was going to be done by Gideon was an act that could not be hidden. It wouldn't be something that would be able to go unnoticed. Everybody would know what Gideon had done. And they would see the smoke of the altar on top of that rock. And it was going to put Gideon in a spot. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But God didn't want any mistaking as to what his will was. Does that make sense? Now, let me make an application here. God's will for us is always specific. That is true. We know what the general will of God is for us to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And God has a particular will for your life that might be a little bit different than mine. But sometimes, even though God's will is specific, sometimes God's will isn't always spelled out for us in such clear terms as he did for Gideon. You following what I'm saying here? It's still specific, but sometimes it's not always spelled out in clear terms like it was for Gideon. Sometimes the Lord wants us to seek after him to find his will. 
And how do we do that? Well, God tells us he's going to speak to us through his word. God tells us he's going to lead us and speak to us through his spirit. And if we walk humbly with God, if we ask the Lord for his direction, if we read his word, God is going to direct our steps just like he promised he would. But sometimes it's only one step at a time. Does that make sense? See, what we like is we say we want to serve God and we want to obey God and we want to do the will of God, but we want to see the whole thing all spelled out in front of us so that we can feel secure in this plan that I know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow and I know that what that's going to lead to and I know exactly where this is going to be. I know the whole thing and I can just see. And then that's all going to work out so smooth. That's what we want, right? But that's not always how the Lord leads. And the reason the Lord doesn't lead that way on purpose is because God wants to develop us and cultivate us and grow us in our faith in Him. That my security is not in circumstances working out. My security is in the promise of the Lord. My security is in Him directing my steps. We know the overall foundation of what God's will is. Micah 6, 8 says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. That is the overall will of God. But there are definitely times when He wants to lead us along, moment by moment, in order to build and to grow our faith. There might be times in life when we're a bit uncertain about what the Lord is saying. I've been there. I've been there a number of times where I think this is what the Lord is saying, but, but I don't have this overwhelming sense of peace that, oh, this is exactly what God is doing. I think the Lord is leading this way. The Lord knows my heart, and I say, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to please you. I just want you to tell me what to do. You ever been there? I'll do it. Whatever it is, just say it. I'll do it. But I just can't quite get exactly what he's saying. You been there? And I just want to hear this voice. I just want God to give me a sign. I just want something that's just so crystal clear. Oh, that's it. Okay, I'm doing it because God said it. That's what my heart is. God, I just want to, I just want to please you. Just tell me what it is. But the Lord, I wonder if the Lord just smiles at me in times like that. It's okay. I understand your frailties. I understand that you're retarded sometimes. Forgive me if you're offended by that word. but The Lord understands. And he says, I got you. It's okay. And I say, okay, Lord, I think this is what you're saying to me. And I'm going to take a step and I'm going to do this because I believe this is what you're leading in. And if I'm wrong and I, don't, and I don't have it right, Lord, you're the one who's going to have to stop it because I think this is what you're telling me to do. And the Lord just says, he's waiting on me to take the step of faith, to take the step of faith, take the step of faith. And when I do, then the Lord gives confirmation along the way that I've got you. I've got you. You're on the right path. And you know what that does for me? It grows me in my confidence in the Lord. I took the step of faith. The Lord confirmed it. I know the Lord confirmed that. I'm on the right path. That means that the next step, even though I may be a little uncertain about it at the time, I know the Lord is going to lead me because he promised he would. And he just did it right here. That makes sense? It's hard. But that's how God cultivates us and grows us in our confidence in Him, little by little, step by step. God's will is specific, but He doesn't always reveal the whole plan because He wants to grow us in our faith. And there might be something that the Lord is prompting 
in your heart and you pray about it and you just aren't certain about it, but there's just something that seems to be compelling about it. And maybe it's not even something you want to do, but you're willing to do it if you know the Lord is saying to do it. We just simply need to say, Lord, I want your will. I need you to show me. I'll take the step of faith. You remember the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant when God said to cross over the Jordan River? Remember that? God said you're going to walk across on dry land. I would have been standing there waiting for the waters to part and for all the the moisture to be dried up and even to see cracks in the soil. Okay, it's dry. I can walk across now. But that's not what God did. God said you're going to walk across on dry land. But he wasn't until the soles of their feet touched the water that the Lord parted the waters and dried up the ground. What did it require? It absolutely required them to believe God. And because I believe God, I'm going to take the step, even though it doesn't seem like the circumstances are all lining up, like God said. And it wasn't until their feet touched the water that it all dried up. Okay, you understand where I'm going with this? God might tell us something to do, but he doesn't reveal every single detail along the way. He wants us to operate in faith and believe him. And when we do take a little step, God reveals it and confirms it, and it grows us in our faith. That's basically the whole message right there. But there's a little bit more, so we'll keep going. Not only was it a specific command that God gave, it was also a spiritual command. God had two purposes in issuing this command to Gideon. First of all, God was going to display his superiority over false gods, that they were no gods. The altar of Baal was going to be torn down. There was going to be a new altar built to the one true God, and nobody could stop it. God was going to show his superiority. But secondly, God wanted Gideon to know that God was going to be with him regardless of opposition that he would face. It was a small step for Gideon, but it proved to him that God would never forsake him and that he was doing the Lord's will. And in the same way, God is still accomplishing those two objectives in our lives. Every time God gives us a command to obey, and we carry it out for His glory, God is showing Himself strong. It's a testimony to a world that, that points, uh, appoints them to the one true God. But also, every time the Lord accomplishes His will and He uses us to do it, and we've had to operate in faith and step out in faith, man, it, it, it increases and encourages and reminds us that God is right there, that God is in control, and that God is going to, to use my life in greater ways. Man, I'm telling you, there are times when, when, when you have to, the Spirit of God is convicting you, and you obey it, and you do it because you know God said to do it. You walk away feeling this joy and this overwhelming sense of peace and fulfillment in your life that I obeyed the Lord. He used me in someone's life there is nothing greater and it builds our faith and makes us want to do it again that's what god was doing in gideon's life that's what makes serving the lord so special i don't have to know exactly what i'm doing i just have to do what he says to do and let him take care of the rest of the details and when that happens god is glorified and i'm just I'm encouraged because I'm like, wow, God did that. I sure didn't do it. Let me just make a side note here. The main reason that that altar had to be torn down was because it was a hindrance to what God wanted to do in Gideon's life and in the life of his people. That was a false, it was an idol to a false god. 
It was something that controlled them. It's something that hindered Gideon's family. It, it hindered those in the community. It hindered in, in Gideon's own life. And until that pagan altar was destroyed and out of the way, people's eyes would not be on the one true God. That God is the one with the power. But that same thing is true in our life. We may not have altars that we've built up physically to some false god, but listen, there are times when, we have, when we've got idols in our life and we need to rid ourselves of those things that would hinder our walk with the Lord so that God can use us the way He wants to. We want God's power. We want God's blessing upon us. Then we need to be willing to rid ourselves of those things that would hinder the work of God. Thirdly, we find that it was a simple command. The specific it was spiritual, and it's simple. What we find here is that God told Gideon to do something that he actually had in his power to do. God told him to go tear down that altar, build a new one. Gideon had the physical ability to do that. That was something that was simple. It wasn't impossible. It was a baby step in Gideon's life to prepare him for later on to do something that it was not possible for him to do. Gideon had everything that he needed to do what God was telling him to do. He simply had to obey. All he had to do was follow God's plan by faith. And God was using this simple command to prepare Gideon for something that was far more difficult that was coming up. He was preparing him to do things that were impossible. And the point is, is that Gideon would have never believed God for the impossible had he not seen the Lord first work in this simple, possible thing. It was a step. It was cultivating of Gideon's faith. God uses the same thing with us. When we're first saved, God gives us small things. And as we accomplish the small things... God grows us into bigger things. I think of examples like David. God used David to kill Goliath and liberate Israel. But before Goliath, there was the lion and the bear. Remember that? Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and look at verse 32. In 1 Samuel 17, 32, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now David's a young man, maybe probably a teenager at this time. I don't recall exactly. But Goliath is a 10-foot giant who is a trained warrior, who the entire nation of Israel, their armies, were, were trembling in fear over him. And here's this young guy who comes along and he says to the king, he says, don't let anybody's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep when there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God." David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Wow, what faith David had. But David points back to a time when God delivered him from something lesser and his confidence in the Lord grew. To, so now when God is wanting him to do something greater, he says, don't be afraid. I know God did it back then. God's going to do it now. What a lesson in faith. What about Abraham? 
Abraham was taught obedience by first having to leave his home to follow God. He obeyed. After a while, he was ready to believe God when God said that you're going to have a son, but he's going to be 100 years old. You're going to be 100 years old when your wife has him. And out of him, I'm going to make a great nation. A little while after that, Abraham's faith had not faltered in the Lord, and he was able to believe God when God said, now I want you to go kill and sacrifice your son. You remember what Abraham said? He got up. He did as the Lord had said. When Isaac said, Father, here's the wood and so on, but where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And he said, God will provide himself a lamb. And Abraham even knew that even if it meant God raising his son from the dead, that God would keep his promise. So he obeyed the Lord. Even with something that seemed counterproductive, even with something that seemed impossible. What about Peter? Peter denied the Lord the first time that he was tested, but Peter grew from that. And a while later, what we see is that Peter is preaching through the power of the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost. He's preaching the gospel, and thousands of people are being saved. He goes from one who is fearful and one who is denying the Lord to a confident person preaching God's word in the power of God. As we prove faithful in the small things, as we take those steps of faith and God grows us, later on God assigns greater tasks to us. We do those things by His grace, He leads us along and He gives us more grace. That's how He works in our lives. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. The point is is that God was growing Gideon. God gave a command. It was simple. Gideon simply had to obey it. And God was going to do the rest, and it grew Gideon in his faith. Secondly, I want you to notice the compliance that Gideon displays. Go to verse 27. Verse 27 says, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. First, we see Gideon's faith on display here. The Bible tells us that right away Gideon took 10 men and he did as the Lord had said. Without hesitation, Gideon just did as he was told to do. He got 10 men, he went and tore down the altar of Baal, he cut down the grove, it was swift, it was complete obedience to the command of the Lord. Amen. That's a great testimony. Would to God that we were as willing and ready to do the Lord's will when He speaks. May the Lord help us to have a heart and mind to jump when God calls and do exactly what He tells us to do without hesitation. That's not how we typically respond, though. Usually, like other people in the Bible, we make excuses why we can't do that. Or like Moses, we'll suggest that the Lord go and find somebody else. Or like Jonah, even run from the call of God, knowing full well that disobedience dishonors him and that God is going to have his way in the end. Remember, Jonah knew that. (laughs) Jonah knew that God ultimately was going to have his way. The point is, may the Lord help us to have a heart like Isaiah. When God calls and says, do this, we say, here am I, send me. But we also... Not only see Gideon's faith, he did obey the Lord, but we do see Gideon's fear too. While Gideon demonstrated faith in doing what the Lord said, he also had some fear in his life, and it controlled him to some degree. Notice the end of verse 27. Because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. He was trying to hide it because he knew 
uh, his father, his brothers, the rest of the men of that village would be angry at him for tearing down the altar of Baal. He knew they probably would even try to kill him for it. And he did it. He just tried to do it under the cover of darkness. And maybe they wouldn't know it was him. Well, he allowed fear to control his actions. And you know, we can be the same way sometimes. It might be something God is prompting us to do, but because of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of how all this may turn out or not turn out, we hesitate, we delay, we put it on hold, we make up excuses and reasons. Sometimes we fear the consequences of decisions. We fear people who know us and live around us. We fear our own inabilities. And we live in this place, this prison of fear. You know what? It's good to have a good realistic opinion of our own abilities or inabilities. But we have to, we have to remember and never forget that success in the Lord's will and in the Lord's work is not our responsibility. It's God's. I just simply need to obey him. What did David tell Goliath when he was standing in front of him? David said, the battle is the Lord's. Success in the Lord's work is the Lord's business. Our duty is to submit to him and simply allow him to work through us. And he will accomplish his purpose. Just like he said, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I think that's what Paul had in mind when he said in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the ultimate secret to success. The last thing I want you to notice is in, the, in verse 28, down through verse 32, and what we find are the consequences that Gideon faced. Look at verse 28. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all, the, all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death, whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Jerobel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar." Well, Gideon's actions, simply by obeying God, Gideon's actions caused an uproar in that community. God was pleased with what Gideon did, but God was the only one. And we need to, the point is, or the application is, we need to be aware of the fact that, you know what, sometimes when we step out in faith and we obey God, there are going to be those who do not like it. They're not going to like our actions. When we serve the Lord faithfully and obediently, God is going to be glorified. But those around us, maybe those who are unbelievers, maybe it's family members of some degree, uh, they're, they're not going to like what we're doing for the Lord and we're going to face some difficulty. Gideon faced those difficulties from his own family and from those in his community simply because he served God. What is it that he faced? Well, first of all, he faced the enmity of the locals. The Bible tells us that the men of the village, they saw that the altar had been destroyed. They demanded to know who did it. And it wasn't long until they found out that it was Gideon. And then they came to Gideon's dad's house and they demanded that Gideon be brought out so that he could be put to death for daring to defy Baal. And let me just say this to you. Um, we're deceiving ourselves if we think that everybody's going to be pleased when we obediently serve the Lord. 
all those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There are going to be people around us who won't understand. Like I said, maybe family. Family's going to feel left out. Family's going to be judgmental, etc. Maybe there's unspiritual people who will feel threatened. There's even going to be people uh, who accuse you of only wanting to promote yourself. That's why you're doing these things. Well, we shouldn't be surprised by that. David faced persecution. Jesus faced opposition. The apostle Paul faced all kinds of opposition. It stands to reason that we should expect the same thing. But instead of giving in to those who oppose us, we simply need to obey the Lord in spite of that. And and we need to determine that I'm going to be found faithful to the Lord no matter what, regardless of what others do. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. Gideon was. But in the end, we find that God was greater than all of those oppositions. Because look at verse 31. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it's yet morning. If he be God, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. One of the benefits of, all, of Gideon being faithful to the Lord is that he, he ended up ultimately influencing his family. You see this? His dad was the one, it was on his dad's land that the altar of Baal was put up. And all of a sudden, because Gideon's faith and because of Gideon's obedience to the Lord, there's a turnaround in his father's life. And his father says, hey, uh, if, if Baal is really a god and, and you still think that, that Baal is powerful, then, then why don't you let God or Baal plead for himself? I think that's a great response. So are you going to intercede for Baal? If he's really a god, he can handle it himself. Let him come to his own defense. He shouldn't need any help from you. And I think that it demonstrates for us that when Gideon took an obedient stand and honored the Lord, God used it to influence his family. And there's there's an application that can be made here. In many respects, there are people, especially second-generation Christians, who, who, who try to live a life of faith on the coattails of their parents. This is how they grew up. This is the church they grew up in. Their faith is based on what has gone before them. But God is, but God is talking to Gideon here. God is telling Gideon, you're the one that I want to use. And Gideon had a responsibility to obey the Lord himself. And when he did, it influenced the rest of his family. The point is you cannot ride on the coattails of somebody else. You need to stand for God yourself. But when you do, God can use your life to make a difference in your family, in your community, in the lives of others. The result of our obedience may not be as dramatic as Gideon's, but God still will use your obedient life to get glory for Himself. It could change your family. It could change your church. It could change your community. All God needs is one person who will determine I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. You know what? I've seen the salvation of one soul in a family change an entire family's future. God saves one. Then He begins to work on another. And before you know it, another one has come to Christ. And God continues to work in another. And before you know it, an entire family has turned their life to the Lord Jesus Christ simply because of one person's faith in the Lord. I've seen God take small acts of obedience, like even an offering, and turn that around. Maybe it was some moment of kindness that someone showed another and use it to entirely change a person's future and their eternity. Who knows what the Lord might do if you and I were totally obedient to His will for our life. The last thing is we see that the experience that Gideon gained. One of the greatest benefits of this entire event 
was actually for Gideon himself. All Gideon knew was that the Lord was calling him to do something. God called him to deliver Israel. He didn't know how that was going to happen. And he said, Lord, you're wrong. I'm not the person. I'm not the man. I'm the least in my father's house. Nobody respects me. I can't do that. I don't have the ability. And God said, no, Gideon, I'm going to be with you. You don't understand it now, but I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to do this thing. And then God proceeds to bring Gideon along, little by little, building and growing his faith. He was afraid. He was unsure how things would work out. I've been there. So have you. And as Gideon followed the Lord in this matter, he learned that God was going to walk with him every step of the way. God was going to protect him. God was going to give him the victory, even if he didn't see where it was coming from. That would serve him well in what was coming along. Because God was about to tell him what he was going to do, an impossible thing. Read, it, read on, read on in the story, and you'll see how impossible it would be. But Gideon learned that God was the one who was able. He learned that God was more powerful than the false gods of the pagans. He learned that God was greater than the enemy. He learned that God would keep his word, that God would protect him. That is what he learned, and that was valuable information for the future of what Gideon was about to do. You know, when we first start out, when we're first saved, we start, start following the Lord by faith, we're a lot like Gideon. We're filled with doubts. We're filled with fears. We're hindered by some things. We kind of feel stunted in our spiritual growth, maybe. Like, there's things I would like to do, but I'm afraid. But you know what? As God leads us along, step by step, we see God give us victory. We see God provide for us in ways that we didn't understand or know. And we're like, huh, God, God did that. Look what God did. He provided for me in this area. And I was worried about that. And you know, we grow in our faith. And sometime later, we're over here and we're looking back and we're like, why was I so afraid of this back here? We've grown. We've been cultivated by God. We've progressed. And we're like, man, I used to be so afraid of these kinds of things. But you know what? That's not really anything compared to what I'm doing. I've, I've been through that before. God provided. You know what? There's this next thing that's coming that I need to look ahead and I say, you know, God, but God provided for me back here. He's going to do it again over here. God has brought me to this place. He's not going to fail me now. Amen? I think it's a great example for us because that's how we operate sometimes. All we need to do is keep trusting in the Lord, keep obeying step by step, and we're going to find out that God's plan works. I think some of you can relate to that. Some of you are much farther along than you used to be. You're willing to trust the Lord for more than you ever were able to before. You're able to believe Him for bigger things in your life because you've trusted Him in the past, like maybe when you were first saved. And you've developed in your Christian life. And I would ask you, where did that faith come from? It came from God. It came from you seeing God work in your life, God's hand being visible. Maybe it was a mountain that needed to be moved and God did it. Maybe it was just simply trusting Him that, he said, if I would acknowledge him, he would direct my steps. And he led you in his perfect will. The point is, that faith came because you were developed step by step, because God is faithful to do it. Well, he still has some work that he wants us to do. He has a plan for our life that maybe isn't, hasn't been quite revealed yet. How are we going to respond? Everything that God allows in our lives is a teaching experience. And He uses all those events to teach us of His grace, of His power, to grow us in our faith, to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. 
God worked in Gideon's life to train him for a huge task. God cultivated Gideon so that God could use Gideon to receive glory for himself. God's working in our lives as well. And everything that comes our way is a part of that training process. The question is, how are you developing in your training? Maybe there's an idol in your life that needs to be torn down before God can use you like He wants to. Maybe there's some fear that's been holding you back. Maybe God is speaking to you about His plan for your life. If He is, then you need to surrender to Him, yield to Him, and determine, by God's grace, I'm going to obey Him. Amen? Aren't you glad that God grows us and develops us along? I am. He's always faithful. He's a good God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us to, again, remember and realize that these, these are not just words written in a book. These are timeless truths, divinely appointed and established truth. You're the same God, just like you worked in Gideon's life to develop and grow him. You're doing the same for us, step by step, little by little, growing us in our faith. And Lord, help us to believe and to take those steps of faith. And Lord, say, Lord, here am I. Send me. I'm willing. Lord, I want to learn. I want to grow in you. Lord, I, I just want to believe you and follow you. Lord, just show me what to do. And then to trust you when the path isn't always spelled out perfectly clear. But all I need to do is just take the next step and then trust you with the rest. And Lord, I pray that these principles would be encouraging uh, to your people and in the days ahead as we face trial, as we face testing in life, to know and be reminded that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, when you ask us and call us to do that which we think is impossible, to remember that it's not on my shoulders. I simply have to submit and let you work. It requires faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. So Lord, I pray that you'd encourage and challenge your people. In Jesus' name, amen.